Welcome, everyone. This is Russ Galsel, Chronicles of the End Times. So glad to be with you today. As we continue our study in the book of Revelation, and we're going to be looking at the last two chapters, 21 and 22 today. The promises of God are more than we can even understand. They are so wonderful. They are so magnificent in their description. And his love for us is beyond measure. We're living in this world where we're overcome by our situations and by our circumstances. And we need to remind ourselves every single day how much God loves us, what he's done for us, and what he has for us in the future. It's a shame more people don't study the book of Revelation. And I understand the stigma of it, you know, that it's very complicated, there's a lot of imagery, and it's difficult to understand. But that should not stop us from reading it. We don't have to understand everything. I mean, no one does. The greatest theologians, those who have spent their entire lives studying the text, don't have all the answers. There's some mysteries that God keeps for himself. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, which he has freely given to us, if we meditate on his word and we ask him for clarification, there are many things that God will reveal to us. But just taking it on the surface, just as almost like a child would read it, just read the wonderful things that God has for us. Yes, there's a lot of scary things in here, but not if we're in the love of God. For perfect love casts out all fear, Jesus told us. His love for us, the security in his love, will keep us. So let's take a look at this. We left off with Satan's doom, the hymn and the Antichrist and the false prophet are all thrown into the lake of fire. We see that God is about to redo, remake the entire earth. And we see that the white throne judgment came and all those who had rebelled against God through the ages were judged and cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. All those who rose in the first resurrection, we know that the second death has no power over us. Those who are washed in the blood, those who have followed God and trusted in him. So now we come to the New Jerusalem. We come to chapter 21. So let's read a little bit and we can talk about it. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty I will give to drink without cost from the spring of water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magical arts, the idolaters, and all the liars, 
Their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. I run into those who declare themselves Christian, who say, I don't believe God would ever send anybody to hell. And of course, we know that, as I'm sure you've heard said before, God doesn't send anyone to hell. We choose to go there. And that is true. But the bottom line is, we need to know the whole truth of the gospel. If we just concentrate only on the warm and fuzzy parts, we're not going to know the whole truth. And it is hard for this generation, and many generations in the past, I suppose, but especially this one, to understand holiness. So we're not talking about the kind of holiness that how you speak and what you wear and conduct yourself. Holiness that we can generate is not real holiness. The holiness comes from humble, contrite hearts that have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's true holiness. But it's hard for people to understand that God is the one who is so holy. He is without sin. He is without fault. He's loving and kind and generous. But he is holy. And therefore, sin cannot dwell where he is. And so those who reject his son reject him. And because of that, they cannot enter heaven. They cannot enter where we're going to be reading this new Jerusalem, this new life with no pain, no sorrow, but joy, unspeakable joy. That is the whole truth. We have swung the pendulum all the way to the other side in these last few decades, especially. Yes, God is love, and we all know that. And without that, we're all lost because we are all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's why we need the blood to cleanse us. The cross is essential to salvation. But there is another side, and we have been reading that in chapter 20, and it's horrifying to think about. But God is a holy God. It's his world. It's who he is. Everything emanates from him. He started everything. Everything is designed by him, by his holiness, through his love, through his amazing imagination and creativity. But we have to understand it's for those who come to him with broken hearts, repentive hearts, and turn from themselves and turn to him. And that is a message that needs to be proclaimed, that God is love, but we must repent of our sins in order to inherit eternal salvation and, and to inherit all the glory that we're going to read about right here. So we see this beautiful new city coming down out of heaven. And John is just amazed by it, as we would be, just awestruck by the beauty of it. And God's telling him, there's going to be no more death. There's going to be no more sorrow, no crying, no pain. Can you imagine? No more cancer and destroying diseases of every kind that we suffer with in this world. No more heartache, no more depression, no more overwhelming fear. All gone, all gone. This is a new thing. He says, it is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of water of life. It goes from describing what's happening, you hear the call of God. He's explaining the future. He's explaining what the joy is going to be. He's explaining how it's going to lay out, who's going to make it, who's not going to make it. And yet he's calling out 
Come, drink of the water. Come, be washed. Come. He's constantly, constantly calling. This is the heart of God. So in the midst of judgment, in the midst of declaring the great glory that he has for those who follow him, he's calling out to the lost. It's just amazing, isn't it? Just like on the cross with a condemned man crying out to him for salvation, and it was granted to him. This is who our God is. But we have to have the balance. We have a difficult time with balance, don't we? The pendulum swings either one way or all the way to the other side. We have a hard time being in the middle and balancing the fact that there is a hell, that there is a judgment, but that there is Christ on the cross, the eternal hope of glory. It's a difficult situation sometimes. We get tied up in only one side of the story. But this list of people that aren't there, that's the cold and sobering side of the glory that we're seeing here. The cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice the dark magic, idolaters and liars. He just names them all. This is important for us to understand. In the first century church, there was no place for cowards. And just like in this century in which we live, in this age in which we live, where anything goes and people are so critical and there's so much hate everywhere, even those who proclaim and they accept everybody and they preach acceptance have so much hate in their hearts. And Christians who are supposed to follow Christ seem like they have so much hate in their hearts. It's everywhere. But we must stay on center. And we must continue to love people, even when it's difficult and seems impossible. We don't have to love the things they say or the things they do, but we need to pray for them that the light will come on and they will see Christ hanging on that cross and realize it was for them. In the coming days, there's going to be no place for cowards. As this system gets worse and worse, as the world turns further and further away from God, we need to be loving but bold in our stand, and who we are. These are difficult times, but the reward outweighs it all. He says, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a mountain great and high, and showed me the holy city Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a precious jewel. And he goes on to name all the jewels and the gates of pearl and just staggering, staggering beauty. But the greatest beauty of all is that God has made this for us. And the greatest beauty of all is that God is making everything new and there will be no pain and no sorrow. This is for you and me. I know in my own life, if I'm doing stuff for my children or my grandchildren now, I find joy in that, great joy in that. Not so much for me. I'm doing it for myself. It's just not the same. So as a father, our God is doing this for us. He enjoys this. He, he revels in it. He sings in it. He just overflows with joy when he can do things for us. He wants to show us his great love. And you gave your life to me. And look how I'm going to take care of you. Look at the reward. Look how much I love you. My overwhelming love just pours out in reward. I mean, it's amazing. He doesn't have to reward us. I mean, my goodness, who are we? We were sinners going our own way. And he interrupted our lives 
in order to save us and call us to himself. That is incredible love. He measures this city, and he finds that it's perfectly square. It's a cube, actually. It's just as high as it is wide and long. And the measurements, some estimate it to be 1,200 miles, some say 1,500 miles. Whatever it is, it's big, and it has many houses in it, many homes. Let's jump down to verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will the gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Our greatest joy this day should be that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. There is no greater feeling. Once we begin to understand, even in the most minuscule way, the rewards that God has for us for being faithful. It's amazing. I pray we'll take time today to thank God for being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That should motivate us to share our testimony with others. Our testimony in the blood of the Lamb is what's going to bring people to the Lord. Now we move on to chapter 22, the river of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Wow, what an amazing picture. The tree of life. Remember the tree of life from Genesis. They were forbidden to eat it, but here the tree of life is right there for all to partake. And this river of water, this life-giving water, isn't it amazing? It flows from the Lamb and from God. Remember when Jesus went to the Samaritan woman and he asked for water, and he said, if you knew who asked for water, you'd be asking me. For the water I give, you will never thirst again. Jesus, not only the life, the truth, and the way, but he was the life-giving water. When Moses struck the rock and the water gushed forth when they were in the desert, there's another symbol of how Jesus is not only the rock, but the rock that gives the water of life. And to be able to see him face to face, have his name written on our foreheads, it's ownership. The Lord has bought us with a price, the highest price of all, his blood. And he has bought our freedom, and we are his. That is an amazing thing. And some people may not like that thought, but he has purchased us. 
He loves us, and we are His. So the light of the world will be our light in this great city. So many parallels to the gospel, or the river of life, the tree of life, the light of the world. All these things coming from the Lord God Almighty. And the angel underlines it all. He said, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. That's why it's important for us to read the whole word of God. From Genesis to Revelation, there's something there for us every single day. And we jump down to verse 10. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, because the time is near. Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. Let him who does right continue to do right. And let him who is holy continue to be holy. That's a little bit of a difficult scripture. But what the Lord is saying there is life is going to go on. People are going to do what they do. And those who decide not to live for God, let them go on and do what they do. But let those who have turned to Christ do good and be wrapped in the holiness of Jesus Christ to be the witness that they need to be. God is well aware of the hearts of people. And that as we close this chapter, once again, the Lord is crying out to those who are not saved. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may go through the gates of the city. For outside are the dogs, those who practice magical arts, sexual immorality, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices a falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Jesus said, I've sent this to the churches. I want you to know. I want you to know what the future is. Don't hide from the future. This is your inheritance. This is what my Father is lovingly waiting to give those who have been faithful. God has so much for us. And this clearly says that it's forever and ever. It's just unimaginable. But remember this, you and I are eternal beings. God made us eternal beings when he breathed into us. It's just our decision where we want to spend that eternity, which I'm sure this is just a glimpse. We're just getting a little glimpse. As Paul said, we see through a glass darkly. We don't have the full vision, but we have enough to rejoice. We have enough to know the goodness and the greatness of God and how much he loves us. He says, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with God's people. Amen. What an amazing book. I hope it's been a blessing to you and encouragement to you as well. We are going to march on to some great subjects in the coming weeks. I hope you stay with us and share the podcast with whoever you feel led to share it with, that God might be glorified in all the things that we do. This is Russ Galzo for Chronicles of the End Times. Keep looking up. The King is coming. <laughs>